Hi, friends, and welcome inside Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. We are live on this Thursday night for the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show. We appreciate everybody moving their plans from Monday nights to Thursday nights here in the month of November as we are in crossover season, which is the busiest time of year for everybody in the Jackrabbit Athletic Department, I can assure you, but it's a lot of fun as well. And we've got a fun hour coming up talking SDSU football. The Jackrabbits retain the Dakota marker with a 33-16 win over North Dakota State. We're going to recap that with the head coach, Jimmy Rogers, and preview the matchup on Saturday because just what SDSU needed was another ranked foe to play. It's amazing how these keep on coming in the Missouri Valley, but number 22, Youngstown State, will be the opposition on Saturday. It is an earlier kick than usual, noon Eastern out in Ohio, 11 a.m. Central Time. We'll have radio coverage starting at 9 a.m. The two-time reigning Missouri Valley Football Conference Special Teamer of the Week, Hunter Dustman, will join us in just a little bit, but we'll start things off with his coach, one of the newest members of this staff. Please give a warm welcome to Pat Cashmore, everybody. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here, Cash. How are you? I'm good. I'm great. Uh, for those that don't know, give us a brief rundown of your very complicated history because you have been a place or two during your time as a coach. Yeah, not not ideal, but it just kind of happens in the coaching world. Started at a small NAIA school in, in Midland University in Fremont, Nebraska, then went to Iowa Western Junior College. Um, after Iowa Western for two years, went to Toledo as a quality control and then made a stop at Oklahoma State in Stillwater as a graduate assistant and then got my first full-time job at 32, 33 years old at uh, Pittsburgh State University. And now I'm, I'm here in Brookings and loving every day of it and, and very glad to be here. You certainly have paid your dues. Now, some people love offense, some people love defense, special teams. There's a lot of things going on. Defense have the ball offense you always do you're dealing with a variety of things so what is it about special teams that gets the juices flowing for you yeah what what is great is um i get to coach everyone on both sides of the ball and and most times we have some young guys that are looking for new roles or just ways to get acclimated to the speed of the game going from high school to college and uh i'm just looking for ways to to make an impact on the game if that's punting the ball and flipping the field for our defense or it's a big return or it's uh, bringing pressure on punt and getting a shank. And so just looking for ways to take advantage of guys and, and giving them a role, and then, but making them understand that, that, hey, this makes a big impact on the game, not only for our offense, but for our defense. And, and putting points on the board is always fun as well. We have talked so often, first with John Stigelmeyer and now with Jimmy Rogers, about the value of special teams and the fact that, quite frankly, you have some guys that can earn their way onto a travel roster because those numbers get tight, as you very well know, when you're sitting down there trying to figure out who are going to be our 62, 63rd, 64th guys. On top of that, there are guys that have literally made their careers by making plays as a freshman on special teams, and all of a sudden they get a few more reps on defense, and things kind of roll down the hill from there. So there is a lot of meaning behind what you're doing too. Absolutely, absolutely, just trying to – Make it meaningful, but also make some plays as well. You know, sometimes making the game-winning block for a kickoff return, that, that's a big deal, you know, and sometimes that doesn't show up on the stat, but when we show on film, they see that and they, they take pride in it. And so that's a lot of, that's a lot of, brings a lot of excitement for me. Now you've coached special teams at a lot of places. It is not that common to have somebody, first off, it's good enough, and second off, that has the mental acumen to be able to handle punting, place kicking, and kicking off. And yet the young man to your left out of East Bethel, Minnesota, does that. 
how complicated is this for what Hunter Dustman does? Yeah, it's, it's not easy. My, my comparison is always to like a pitcher, and there's a pitch count. And so every day, Dusty and I are kind of talking about uh, how many punts he's going to take or how many field goals he's going to take or how many kickoffs he's going to take. And it's my job to be mindful of every day of what his limit is. He just can't go out there and do kickoff for two hours. He'll be gassed, and then he'll get hurt. And so he's done a great job uh, having open communication with me of like, hey, today, can we focus on this? Yeah, let's do that. So we work on the plan together, but uh, more goes to him and his work ethic. And, and, and that's something that you don't really see from specialists because, you know, there's not seven on seven for the field goal and punt team in the summer, right? He goes out there by himself at the empty stadium and he works on punting, and he works on kickoff, and he works on field goal. And so his craft, he really works on it in the dark when no one's watching. And he does a great job. So it's really a testament to his work ethic and what he puts on. I just love to work with him. We got an iPad. We watch it every day, and we watch his swing. I'm a big golfer, so I compare everything to golf. And so he loves that. He's a golfer as well. So it's been a lot, a lot of fun to talk about our bad golf games. <laughs> what is the most rewarding part of your job? Just seeing guys being able to grow. Um, these are young men that just are looking for ways to contribute not only to the football team but to the community. And just seeing them as young 18-year-old uh, young men and turning into grown men, 23, 24-year-old, and just the way that they developed and poured into the community, that's what makes it a lot of fun for me. And then when they come back and call you, it makes it worth it that you had an impact because I, I think coaching is all about influence and, and how we can influence these young men. You've been a you know what it's like to be on both ends of the spectrum when it comes to support of the program. And we were chatting here before we got going that we take this show that's normally on a Monday night, we move it to a Thursday night, yet here everybody is. They've come packed to hear Pat Cashmore speak. I'm sure that was the reason why. But, yeah. but the point being, what a turnout, what support you get here with Jackrabbit Nation. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, it's, it's been like that from day one. Every time I'm recruiting, I get to tell all the recruits that we've had a sold-out game every game, and that's a big deal in recruiting. And they make a big impact, um, especially on the student section. Like you think of Montana State with all the false starts, uh, they have a direct impact on the game. And then it's just a lot of fun to see the blue in the stadium and not, not the opposing team color. So I've loved the impact, and I, and I know they, they make a big part of what we do. Well, Pat, it's great to have you down here. We appreciate uh, you being a member of the staff, and good luck the rest of the way. I appreciate it. Pat Cashmore with us here on the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show. When we come back to Cubby Sports Bar and Grill, we'll talk to the man who does everything when it comes to kicking, Hunter Dustman. That's coming up in just a moment. We're live on this Thursday night. Thanks for joining us on the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. Welcome back inside Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. We are live with the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show on this Monday night. 9-0, top-ranked South Dakota State with two games remaining in the regular season. SDSU will close up the calendar as far as the regular slate of games goes a week from Saturday, hosting Missouri State. And there still are a few tickets available for that at jackrabbittickets.com, but a majority of those have already been sold. Of course, four sellouts the previous four games. Looking forward to uh, rounding out the home year. And then, of course, uh, season ticket holders and whatnot will have their opportunities for postseason tickets as we draw a little bit closer. But first things first, the road game coming up at Youngstown State. Number 22, the Penguins are 6-3. and three. That game will take place at 11 a.m. Central Time on Saturday, and we'll have all of our coverage beginning at 9 a.m. Young man who we'll talk about a lot, no doubt, as we do every week during the football games, is the kicker, punter, kickoff extraordinaire out of East Bethel, Minnesota, 
Number 10, let's give Hunter Dustman a round of applause. Thank you. Hunter, how are you? Good, you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for coming down here. Let us begin with where you're from, East Bethel, Minnesota. Tell us about it. Uh, small town, suburbs of uh, Minneapolis. I went to St. Francis High School, which is about 10 minutes from where I live. Did you always want to play football? No. So I played, started soccer when I was three years old and then transferred to kicking field goals in fifth grade. And then seventh grade, I was uh, playing varsity at high school. Seventh grade soccer player on the varsity team? Yep. Wow. For so, both soccer and football. Okay, I was going to say, when did football enter this mix? Seventh grade. Seventh grade as well. Yep. So you were playing varsity on multiple sports as a seventh grader? Yeah. Okay. How much did you weigh at that point? Oh, probably buck sixty. Uh, oh, okay. Buck seventy. What do you weigh now? About two twenty-five. Okay. I'm just so there's been a little progress there, just so folks know. Just a little bit. Uh, tell me about the process of college opportunities. And did you want to pursue soccer? Did you want to pursue football? What led you to being a college football player? I knew that trying to get to college as a soccer player from Minnesota is tough. So my freshman year, I ended up dropping soccer and focused on football full time. Um, and that kind of just led me to where I'm at now. Well, it certainly worked out. What do you remember about SDSU coming on to your radar, your first exposure to the Jackrabbits? Uh, I first met with Brian Bergstrom. Uh, he was the first guy I met from South Dakota State. I didn't even know they were college until I met him, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Sorry, no offense. So you'd but, never heard of South Dakota State? Nope. Okay. Um, so I met Brian Bergstrom. He was there looking at myself and <clears throat> another guy from my class, and then... That kind of just led me to getting into contact with multiple coaches via Twitter um, and then coming down for a, like a visit um, and a workout. Now, I know from talking to Coach Stig, he said that from the first times that you guys chatted some, the opportunity to serve multiple roles. It wasn't a, hey, we're bringing you on as a punter or bringing you on as a kicker. Part of this was you're going to have the opportunity to do all three of these. Yeah, that's correct. And not a lot of colleges told me that. And so when Coach Stig told me that, it was a no-brainer. That was what made you want to come to SDSU? Well, uh, other reasons, too. I, I love the town and the place. But, yeah, Coach Stig um, gave it to me straight and told me that you are going to be able to do all three. I will give you the opportunity to do all three. And it was a done deal. What are you majoring in? Entrepreneurial studies. And what do you want to do with that degree? No idea. Well, you got time to figure it out. That's a good thing. <laughs> How jealous would you get at times of the fact that Cole Fromm had an 84-inch leg? Yeah, the leverage is nice, if I'm being <laughs> honest. So, yeah, uh, he was really good, really good mentor for me uh, my first couple of years here. Learned a lot about uh, kicking and the fine techniques from him and then just kind of transferred it over to the way that I kick in my style. And so last year you get the opportunity to do all three, kick, punt, and kickoff and had some very memorable moments. In particular, the one everybody will recall is at Northern Iowa with the game on the line, and you end up making the game-winning field goal to clinch a Missouri Valley Football Conference championship. It was a unique set of circumstances in yeah, the unit. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm still a little upset at myself that I didn't make that first one. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, that's what you say. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just remember Jaden Yankee had that really nice punt return at the end. And I knew that we were going to end up either scoring a touchdown or a field goal to, to win the game. And the field goal opportunity was there? Two of them, yes. For those that don't remember, if there are any, 
The first one was wide left in large part because you and I committed a penalty that distracted you. And so the second opportunity when you and I did not commit a penalty, you put it right through the uprights. Yeah, I'm just thankful for second opportunities. And God gives us all in a little bit of ways. And that was his gift to me. Stig said that during that process of those multiple kicks in that game, he discovered through whether it was you or somebody else that the best way to get you prepared for a big kick was to tell you a joke. Yeah, I don't uh, – some coaches would come, oh, you got this, or nice and easy, and I'm just like, I know, I know what I'm doing here, so just tell me a joke, get my mind off it for a couple seconds, crack a smile, and then I'll just do my job when the whistle's blown. So do you have – I mean, is there a catalog of jokes that you get told? Is there a go-to comedian that you have on this team? Uh, well, since Coach Cash is up in the box, uh, Ron. Uh, Pavlik, of yep, course. He's – I just look at him and I smile because all I think about is our funny memories that we got. So that's my joke. So your joke is just looking at Ron Pavlik's face. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> and Jimmy enjoyed that as well, and so did Cash. And anybody who knows Pavlik, that's getting relayed here. If, it, if he hasn't heard about this already, he will shortly. That uh, just looking at Pavlik's face makes you laugh. But I do have to ask from last week, one of the field goals against North Dakota State, it looked like a bison broke through the line and put his hands out, and you kicked it through his hands. That probably isn't exactly what happened, but on one of those longer field goals last Saturday, it was nearly blocked, and you found a way to get through traffic. Uh, tell me what you see in situations like that. Um, well, most of the time, so when we're on the hash, we go Gover to move the block spot. Um, and so I knew that if they're coming off the outside – that I just have to put it right over the guard to be able to go in. But, yeah, when I saw him, I kind of just had, like, this look on my face in the middle of me kicking. And Did you I, think he was going to get it? Uh, I was hoping he wasn't, but I did think <laughs> that he had a good chance. So, yeah, I just uh, I put the ball where it needed to be, and so did John and Caden. Uh, and, yeah, just squeaked by him. That does go to my next point, though, is that you're the kicker, you're the punter, you're the one everybody sees, but somebody's got a snap. Somebody's got to block. Somebody's got to put the ball down for you on your PATs and field goals. It truly is a team operation to make this happen. Yeah. Um, I'm just the exclamation point on all the work that they do. Caden Olivia has been nothing but fantastic this entire season. Um, and John Bell has really stepped up into this role. Uh, he's brand new this year. But you got to think on a field goal, if he's a half inch off the spot, it changes the entire field goal. So his consistency, Caden's consistency, is only as good as my consistency. Now, when you're going out there, you have to know how far you're kicking, right? If we get past the um, – you're smooth with that. If you – Why whatever do you mean, Hunter? If we get past my range, I don't know. So if my range is 52 yards, I know that once we get to the 35-yard line, we're in range. And then everything from then on out is just how it is. Okay, and I asked this because we had some fun in the post game a couple of weeks ago because I asked you one question. You said, I don't pay attention to yardage. Then the very next question I asked you about a five-yard penalty, you said it upset you because you wanted to set a personal record for length and field goals. Yeah, see, I knew that one was a 52 because <laughs> I know when I'm running out there, I'm like, yeah, this is a little far. And I knew that the um, the snap was closer to the 40-yard line than the 30. Let me ask you this. Do you prefer kicking on the right hash and having to drop back or left hash and pushing it right up right okay you prefer that yeah my natural ball fade is a is a draw so the right up right is perfect especially 30 yards out 
So assuming there's no wind, you'd actually rather be a little off to the right than straight down the middle. Yeah. Okay. Just because I can, I can hit the ball normally. And you're a golfer. Um, try to be. Yeah. I was gonna say, according to Cash, you're not a very good one, and he isn't either. Yeah, we we share some laughs about our fantastic golf game. <laughs> what is the support of Jackrabbit Nation? This packed place tonight and the sellout crowds. What's it meant to you? It's meant the world, and Jackrabbit Nation has done nothing but showed up this year. And we hear it, we see it, we understand it, um, and it, it helps us prepare throughout the week and just helps us play on Saturdays. I know that not a lot of people maybe think that it does, but when we run out and it's just packed with blue and yellow, it's emotional for a lot of guys. Well, Hunter, it's been great having you here. It's been a phenomenal year for you. Best of luck the rest of the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hunter Dustman with us here on the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show. When we come back, we'll hear from the head coach. We're live from Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. Stay tuned to the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. Welcome back inside Cubby Sports Bar and Grill and the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show. And it is presented in part by First Bank and Trust. If it's in your big picture, First Bank and Trust can help you achieve it with personalized financial planning and trusted advice. Find out how First Bank and Trust makes planning for your future easier at bankeasy.com. I'm Tyler Merriam, the head coach of SDSU. Jimmy Rogers is with us, and for the next half an hour or so, we will discuss the Jackrabbit win over North Dakota State to retain the Dakota marker and look forward to Saturday's contest at Youngstown State. Good to see you again, Coach. Thanks for having me. All right, let's get to, to the brass tacks of the victory over NDSU. And the number that jumps out to me is 19,431. That is not only a Dana J. Dykow Stadium record, but of all the records of all the sporting events in the history of either of the Dakotas, the most people to ever watch a contest in either one of those states. And and again, it wasn't a situation where you had 30% of a visiting crowd coming in. I mean, it was yellow and blue in every section. It was tremendous, Coach. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I think our guys really enjoy it more than anything else. And to see that much blue and yellow in the stands, it means a lot to just the program and, and how it impacts the program moving forward as far as their energy on game day. And uh, I mean, we had I said this earlier today, but we had a, a ton of recruits on campus and a ton of recruits that, came back for their second time just to to see it and experience it and to really for for them to see two sh uh, sellouts um, it means a big it's a big deal to us as a football program so continue to come out and support because it is making the difference as far as us moving forward for the future as well what I think is so interesting is here is a, a rivalry game I mean it's heated it's a big game two teams ranked in the top 15 in the nation Jackrabbits win 33-16, so that's a 17-point win. And yet, talking with you and the student-athletes after the game, talking with your staff, I get the sense that it's it's not a sense of, of joy over the top. It was we won, but we really feel like we could have played better in every facet. Am I wrong on that? Yeah, I think there comes with that every single game. I, I had to remind the guys after the game, like, I was kind of shocked by it. I, I, we were saying, you know, let's make sure we shake their hands because – at some point, we knew the game was over, right? And uh, we ran across the field to shake hands, and then I was used to seeing us rush to that trophy. So I was reminding them, there's a trophy over there. Let's go rush it, you know. Like, um, And I forget that the, most of this team hasn't lost to NDSU, which is rare. Um, I've lost plenty to them. It's a great program, and they're going to have a ton of success in the future. But uh, we just have had their number the last couple of years, and 
we plan and expect to keep it that way. That surprised you, though, that nobody ran after the trophy? A little bit. I mean, I, we didn't even talk about the, it being the border marker trophy. We more talked about, like, just bringing your best and competing and uh, being locked into this because of what this game usually means is the playoff, you know, seedings and implications and what this game is. And we knew that they, we, we were going to get their best, and, and uh, we came out and executed at a high level for the most part of the game. Well, speaking of getting their best, I mean, those first two offensive drives the Bison had were solid ones. They go down, score a touchdown after taking the opening kickoff, then follow that up with a field goal. And, and it's a, a very a taut 10-9 game midway through the second quarter, and then force a punt, short field capitalize, then come up with a, uh, uh, a strip, jump on the football, capitalize on a short field. And so those final few minutes of the second quarter really gave you a chance to distance yourself. Yeah, I think the opening drive that we killed ourselves with sloppy play, like we didn't tackle. Guys were in space and are in the, in the right spot. We just didn't make plays. Um, and that block PAT is a huge play in the game that nobody notices at the end of the game because it's 33-16. But uh, that was a huge – it was a momentum booster for our guys. Our offense responded. We went up 7-6, and and then right away they responded 9-7, and then we responded 10-7 or 10-9. So that back and forth, you could see that we always held the, the one-point lead. I think the biggest change was, you're right, the 10 minutes in between the, the last five of the second quarter and then the first five of the third quarter. And um, you know, if there's one thing that we've done really well that we didn't do is we didn't capitalize with touchdowns and the turnovers in the red zone area. We had to settle for field goals, and so uh, we had done that all year long. We've been great in the red zone, but we were able to come up with points, and our guys battled, and uh, I was proud of that. Um, came out of half right away. We marched down the field and score on them, and, and then they responded with the 72-yard field goal or 72-yard kickoff return, and uh, we're able to step on the field on defense, go three and out, and block the field goal, which was, I believe, 27-9 to nine at the time. That was a huge play in the game because I think that was their chance to have momentum, and we took it right back away, and uh, we just stayed consistent throughout the rest of the game and kind of ate up the clock more than anything else. Another one of those big plays is in that second quarter, in that stretch we're talking about where you take control of the game. Uh, you get the ball just across midfield after a Tucker large punt return. They hold you to nothing on two plays. It's third and ten. They come up and press on the outside, and Mark Gronowski goes over the top to Jaden Yonke. You will not make a more perfect throw than what Gronowski did. Jaden Yonke catches it, 46-yard touchdown. And, and in that scenario, everything came out the perfect way you would have liked it, and then Mark delivers the pass, and Jaden comes up with it. Yeah, it was a really good read by um, – really wasn't intended to go to Jaden, how he went through the progression and ended up to Jaden. And so – just goes to show you how much Mark has improved his passing game. And, um, unique thing about that is when we held NDSU to three and out the series prior, Cam Miller, they ran the same exact play, mm -hmm. right? And uh, they failed to come up on their end, but we were able to come up on our end. And I think that just the time of possession, how close that game was initially, you could see the resemblance of two very similar programs that believe in um, doing things the same way running the ball, stopping the run, and um, you know winning on defense and eating up the time of clock, and we were able to do that on Saturday. You did give up the one long kickoff return, as you mentioned, but you had a big punt return from Tucker Large. You block a PAT, you block a field goal. Dustman knocks home four field goals. Special teams are pretty darn good for you on Saturday. Yeah, we were really good on Saturday. Um, 
it was, I mean, he's been huge all, all year, and um, we needed that one. And the other thing that I would say is on the last, uh, when they were, what, 30 to 16, it's a two-score game, we're third and 11, and Isaiah Davis has a huge run on, with the 15 yards to keep us on the field, which allows us to get down the field and eat up some clock and then kick the field goal. That play right there solidified the win. You think back to a couple of your bigger wins this year. At Southern Illinois, you had the third down where Gronowski had to make a man miss on his own. Does. It extends that drive that leads to a field goal that puts the game away in the fourth quarter. Very similar to this. Yes, exactly. And and sometimes, one-on-one, a guy's got to make a play, right? And your guys have made those plays. Yeah, we got great talent. Um, I think it also stems from unbelievable preparation and the guys' uh, desire to give their best on a weekly basis and and do the little things it takes to have success on Saturdays. Um, we're just fortunate to be able to watch them on Saturdays. And defensively, you come up with three turnovers, two tipped balls, and it even proved you wrong. You can have a broken hand and still come up with an interception, as we were reminded. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't have tipped it to a more deserving guy. <laughs> that guy's had a, a run of bad luck, uh, Graham Spaulding with just injuries. But, yeah, he, he battles, and uh, Dallas Beanham tips that ball, and it lands right in his lap. And he's actually got really good hands. I shouldn't have said he couldn't catch a pick. He just has been in position before and not made those plays. So I was proud of him for that. And uh, we were yelling at him. We said, "Put you know, tuck it away, and he only has one hand. So he starts running with it with one hand on the ball. And... <laughs> He can't really tuck it away because he's got the one hand clubbed up. So uh, there was a couple huge plays. Obviously, when you could win the the turnover battle, you know everybody says three. We blocked two kicks. Those yeah. to us are turnovers, right? Anytime that you change the mm-hmm. um, turnover on downs, you know those are turnovers to us. We count them as that. So we really had five in our mind, and and we feel good about that. And the play by Colby Herder. I mean, that's very impressive to come up and be able to strip that football like he did, which, of course, led to the recovery by Isaiah Stallberg. It was Bach. He made the hit. Bach stripped it out. and then uh, So it wasn't Herder. No, it wasn't Herder. Okay. So did they give it to him? Yes. All right, we may need to give it to Bach. He's deserving of it. Bach doesn't deserve anything. <laughs> Come on now. He gets enough attention, Jimmy. Well, Herder was reaching in for it. Herder, that I know. Herder came up and fit the play just right. Sure. And, uh Adam came in and was able to punch the ball out. Those things we work all the time um, at practice. And, and uh, yeah, we're just doing the little things right. They're showing up in opportune moments. And uh, I'm just fortunate to coach a team that takes the preparation seriously to go out and be able to execute like how we've been doing on Saturday. Well, it's fun to have these conversations about multiple guys being in a position to make a play on the blocked field goal that uh, uh, DePriest actually gets. Beanham darn near gets it off the edge as well. I mean, you've got guys in the mix here making plays. Both the interceptions are tipped by one guy, picked by another. It's not just one person going out there making plays. Yeah, it's a whole, It's a. I mean, it's a team sport, and our guys were all a part of that win. And I'm not sure who tipped. Do you know who tipped, Jason? So I can't remember. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't. But yeah, we'll find that out. I think out. it might have been Cade. We get a tip ball again at the end of the game to really seal it. And, uh our guys are in the right spot and making plays when they have the opportunity to. And in the end, that's the most thing that that's the, the number one thing that matters. Brian Williams. Got Williams. The tip. Gotcha. Yes, so sure the shortest D tackle gets a tip. <laughs> uh, he was on his tippy toes for that, yeah. I think. So we'll give him credit. All right. There's more to talk about on this win over North Dakota State. And we'll preview Youngstown State when the Jimmy Rogers radio show continues. We are live inside Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. Stick with us tonight on the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. 
Welcome back to Cubby Sports Bar and Grill and more of the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show. Cubbies is your Jackrabbit game day headquarters. For instance, tonight in about 20 minutes, the SDSU volleyball team hosts North Dakota with a win. They will clinch a spot in the Summit League Tournament for the third straight year, and they'll look to do that this evening. You can watch it here or head over to Frost Arena. You can watch the football game here on Saturday. And the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show will be next Thursday. It's moved off Monday again because Monday night, the men's basketball team is at Kansas State. Tuesday, the women's basketball team is at Wisconsin. A couple of Power 5 games on the road. We'll have both of those throughout our Jackrabbit Sports Network. You can watch them here on one of the 60 high-definition televisions. They have award-winning wings, burgers, sandwiches, wraps. They even have tornadoes. <laughs> I like them. I like the tornado. <laughs> Cubby Sports Bar and Grill, Main Avenue in downtown Brookings. With the fan of tornadoes, the head coach, Jimmy Rogers. I'm Tyler Merriam. And uh, winning this game over North Dakota State, a few individuals in particular really jumped out to me. Jason Freeman, 12 tackles, one and a half for loss, gets the diving interception to wrap it up, was also credited with a quarterback hurry. You have not told me whether or not that stat is correct. We'll get to that later. But Jason Freeman's efforts. He's been just so good in his two years here at SDSU. It is fun to watch him go out and make plays. Yeah, he's a difference maker for us. And uh, we give him multiple roles as far as, like, things on third down that he has to do for us. And he's been so clutch in his time here. And I, you guys see the stats. We see the film. This wasn't his best game. It just resembled his best game because of the plays that came to him. There was, um, and in all honesty, he would look back at this and say he didn't tackle his best because he didn't. And he had many opportunities. And so it was fun to get back to work with that whole group because we know we didn't play our best and expecting a much better performance defensively as far as tackling in space this week. Yeah, this is an explosive North Dakota State offense. They put up 325 yards, 16 points. And you, Jesse Bobbitt, the guys we've talked to on defense, all came away frustrated thinking that you missed a lot of tackles. We did, yeah. We just we were in the right spot at the right time. We just... It's a footwork thing or dropping our head or not grabbing cloth or, um, you know, defense is a game of mom or the game of football is a game of momentum and we gave them momentum and it was due to our lack of execution. I think that's the thing that people drew from that as far as how they feel because um, we felt like we could have played so much better than what we did and we still hold them to 16 points. Very similar to Montana State. Yeah. We didn't play our best and we held them to 16 points. So, yeah, there's that feeling. Um that's why I don't think the score always matters. Um, I try to take the wins and losses. Everybody wants to win, but it is about doing your best and, and doing it all the time and being having a consistent brand of something that you can hang your hat on and feel proud of. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how the guys respond this weekend. Isaiah Davis averaged 6.2 yards per carry and now passes Pierre Strawn Jr. for the fourth most rushing touchdowns ever by a Jackrabbit. He's got 41 in his career. Yeah, he has been... Awesome, and he's just a great teammate, and watching him work every single day and battle to get his body back week in and week out. It's been, he's a joy to be around. He's a joy to watch, just his work ethic, and I think our team uh, looks at his work ethic and just says, you know, it's it's something to admire, honestly, and um, he's gotten to this point because of all of his habits and his routine and how hard he works day to day. We've laughed about it at times that, where this program has come to and the level it's at, that now winning isn't enough. There's always little things. And I know you've heard it the last couple of weeks. I've had people ask, well, yeah, they won, but they didn't throw the ball to the tight end this week. 
Two straight weeks, Zach Hines has not caught a pass. And so I, I would like you to give us a little bit of the inside feel of just how important Hines is in the opinion of opposing defenses. He's very important. Um, he's important. He's a six, seven kid that can kill you catching the football, and then you can't fall asleep on him because his – I mean, he is so long. But you've got opposing defenses that literally are pointing out – where he's at, yeah. yeah. Th those are tendencies that we might have had. Um, we do a really good job of self-scouting ourselves. And so when we do those things, they're alerting things of what they've seen on film that they've prepped for, just like we do the same thing defensively. You feel good like you got them, and then it's a different play. Most of the things that we prep for defensively, we don't even see. Um, which the kids are probably like, why do we even practice? Let's just show up. But uh yeah, he's a he's a huge factor as far as our offense being in line wide, being able to spread them out in space, and uh, it's a huge advantage to Jackrabbits when you can have a guy like that that is very talented, uh, have dual roles, and you can put him anywhere on the field and he'll have success. Okay, so you are breaking news here. Zach Lujan has not forgotten who Zach Hines is. He is still a part of the game plan every Saturday. Yeah, we haven't forgotten about <laughs> some of our best players. <laughs> but it's nice to have so many of them. If Zach Hines caught the ball ten times and Isaiah did, caught it twice, we would wonder why Isaiah didn't catch it more than two times. Well, and, and here's the other thing, too. I know you hear it. I hear it every week, too, from Zach Lujan. He knows how many fewer plays the offense gets to run a game because of the change in rules. Yeah, that's a big thing, though, and I think it stems from just the clock, you know, yeah. like we're going to run the ball, right? And so the game gets shorter, and I think that was evident in this game. There was mm -hmm. one possession NDSU, one possession SDSU. The first quarter was over, and uh, that felt fast, and I think that created a little urgency in the second quarter for us. Uh, use it to your ears, four penalties for 40 yards. I was hoping you brought that up since we love to talk about when we have uh, 12 of them. Uh, yeah, it was good to see. Our guys were able to execute. They also let us play a little bit because um, there was penalties out there. They just let us play play a little bit, and um, that was a good that was a good refereeing crew. I, I appreciate it. Uh, you just complimented I, the officials. I know. I'm hoping uh, they're listening, so he could. <laughs> you you've matured so much in just a couple of months here, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. The. The two things about this win that, that you weren't thrilled about in particular, one was the tackling, you brought it up. The other was finishing in the red zone because you scored all five times, but you felt like you left some points on the field and settled for field goals. And I'm not taking away, like, the points, right? It's, it's that we've had so much success finishing in those moments, and when you don't, you feel like you didn't do your best. And, and Isaiah Davis was in my office on Monday and said, how did you feel after the win? He was talking because Mason McCormick is always in my office. And... <laughs> And um, they just didn't feel the same excitement, and I think it's because they didn't feel like they lived up to what they're capable of. And I, That's a special feeling. No, and I respect it. Honestly, I do. You put a lot of work in it to try to be 1% better every single week, and when you don't, there's a certain level of disappointment that comes with that, and then you got to get back to work and prep yourself in order to have the success that you want and um, put the results behind you. We need to get better this week to be able to execute on, on Saturday. All right, well, we'll kiss some officials' rear ends here in just a moment. And along with that, we will also have a conversation about the opponent, Youngstown State, when the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show continues. We're live from Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. Stay tuned to the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. Welcome back to Cubby Sports Bar and Grill and the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show as the Jackrabbit football team 9-0 gets ready to meet 
Six and three, Youngstown State. The Penguins number two in the nation, SDSU number one. Jimmy, for starters, the uniqueness of this and that it is an early kickoff. It'll be noon Eastern time, 11 a.m. Central. Not completely foreign to you. Obviously, the Iowa game last year was a kickoff at 11 a.m. Central time, but it is a little different playing an early game. Every time I've talked to you guys, though, you guys always say you'd rather play early than late. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, our guys don't really like playing at 6 o'clock at night. I think it's cool being on the lights, but uh, when you play an away game, you definitely don't want to be laying around in the hotel room the entire day. That that makes for the worst-case scenario. Or, like, when we played Southern Illinois, we were in uh, Paducah. Paducah? Paducah? Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky, which was an hour and a half away. And um, that was hard for our guys just because that's a long time um, – on a bus prior to a game. We actually, when we played USD, we stayed in Sioux Falls for the first time. And I just, from doing it from experience of seeing it, I just couldn't handle coming out flat in the dome. And and we're privileged. We're going to be like right down the block. It's yeah. only going to be three minutes from the hotel. You so, can walk to the stadium yeah, if you wanted to. Yeah, we could. Uh, I don't think we're going to. Oh, okay. All right. We're going to take a bus. So they're going to bus just in case everybody. <laughs> How about you take more than one? I hate to put everybody on one, Jimmy. Well, I've experienced that before, too. I'm sure, yeah. Remember Cal Poly? <laughs> yeah. We're all stacked oh, 70 Louise. deep on each other's laps Let, on hey, the bus. Let's, we're going to get away okay. from ourselves here. we got six minutes to talk about Youngstown State. Mitch Davidson, another quarterback. It seems like every week we hit on a QB. High completion percentage, few turnovers. He's only been picked three times this year. No picks in his last 129 passes. The fourth most efficient quarterback, fifth in completion percentage in all of the FCS. Yeah, he's done a really good job, and I think they're, them as a whole, whole football team is one of the most uh, complete football teams that we'll probably face this season. Their offense is really talented. they got two really talented running backs, a load of wide receivers with Oliver on the outside, who is probably – one of the best wide receivers in FCS football, but I think it starts up front. They've done a great job at the O-line position, and um, our hands will be full for sure because they're big, and they do a really good job run blocking, and and uh, that quarterback makes smart decisions with the ball. 133 career starts between the five offensive linemen. So outside of your O-line, that's about as experienced of a group as you're going to find, and as we talked about, they're all 6'4", 6'5". They're all 300-plus. Very big. It's a zone-blocking team. Um, not a ton of gap scheme, which means pulling O-linemen. Um, something that we're used to. We've seen all of the film and we're prepped for it, but we still got to make plays. You still got to show up and out-physical somebody, and you got to execute when it matters, when you know it's your job to make the tackle. We got to tackle them. It's a fascinating contrast from one offense to another in my mind because NDSU, so many shifts, so many trades, they're motioning guys all over and trying to fool you with all these things. And Youngstown kind of just lines up and lets Davidson read things and react. Yeah, it's a check with me. Uh, they do a lot of check with me stuff from the sidelines. So they just do it a little bit different. Actually, NDSU has put that into their... Yeah, they did use that some, yeah. Yeah, they did. That's new this year, and I think that was new because of uh, trying to put them into the right situation to have success throwing the ball. Uh, but these guys, that, that's pretty consistent. They'll do quite a bit of look with me. Not a big tempo team. There will be tempo at some point, but this is a, a team that is, I believe, second in the country in time of possession, yes. and they believe in running the ball, controlling the clock, and keeping the ball in their offense's hands, which is a recipe for success. So, um, But, yes, yeah, simplistic, but we still got to execute. 
34 minutes plus time of possession. On the defensive side, 29 quarterback sacks. That's fifth most in the FCS. And holding teams to only 30% on third downs, which means they're getting off the field. That's fifth in the country as well. Yeah, I think defensively, you're fairly simple in the first and second down. But when you get to third down is when you get the good stuff. And uh, they're really good at rushing the passer. And they got really good really dynamic DN and a really explosive defensive tackle that causes a lot of chaos. So um, this is going to be a tough matchup, and we're going to have to stay on blocks and communicate at the line of scrimmage, and hopefully our playmakers can pl make plays when, the, when they have the opportunity. The tackle you mentioned, Chris Fitzgerald, uh, had six tackles and a sack a week ago against Indiana State. Uh, Dylan Woodkey, the defensive end you referred to, he's had multiple tackles for loss in three conference games already. And they have Troy Jackubeck at corner, who's uh, already made four interceptions this year, including one in each of the last three. He's fourth in the country in picks. Yeah, I think skill set-wise on the back end, they're, they're really good. Um, like I said, they're simplistic, so uh, they leave their guys out on an island a little bit. But when it comes down to third down, they have some uh, different things that we need to be prepared for. And um, I feel like we're ready to take on the challenge this weekend, but we've got to still come out and execute and we got to take care of the football and offense. Brendan Kilpatrick, second in the Valley in punting at a 43-yard clip. And then Andrew Lestavka is the kicker. His only missed field goal this year was a 51-yarder last week. He's 11 for 12 on the season. He's made a game winner already late against uh, Illinois State. So this is a special teams unit that is very good. Yeah, they actually use the kicker, punter, and a field goal kicker. And um, takes three different yeah, guys to do what we just have does. Hunter, we have Hunter. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, they're all really good at what they do, and um, we need to execute um, when we're asked to on special teams because you only get so many of those plays, and every time you have an opportunity to change the game on a special teams, you got to make the most of it. And so I'm excited to see how our guys respond after what we felt like at times was a huge moment in the, in the game, and we just need to stick with that special teams-wise. It's one of those things that you create the explosive or you um, – you know, you just flatten it out. I, I just we, we, we can't give the momentum to the team off of the special teams play, and, and there's been certain games where we've done that. The one thing about Doug Phillips' team and watching them some this year, and I assume you would agree, I'll pose this to you, it really seems like in the past they didn't have everything where they wanted it to. Now he has what he wants, and they play complementary football. Yeah, I think he's done a really good job there. I mean, he's... What year is this? Second fourth year. year. Fourth year. And, uh, he won four games his first two years total and then won seven last year. They just missed the playoffs, and here they are six and three Yeah, I think year. he's done a really good job of just recruiting the type of guys that fit his system. I mean, defensively, this is a fairly fresh unit, um, but they're still playing really good football, and uh, you could see on offense they're 100% doing what, what he wants them to do, which is uh, give the ball to his athletes, make the one-on-one, -on -one, like you just said, the one-on-one -on -one tackle is going to – is going to happen over and over on Saturday, and we've got to make them win our numbers call. Last road game of the regular season, an early kickoff. This is an advantageous situation to have so many veterans who have been down this road before. Yeah, I mean, our guys are excited to go anywhere. I think road games are made of a bigger deal than what they actually are. Our guys are in a hotel, in a nice hotel for the most part, and um, we eat good meals together, and uh, there is a routine, and so I don't – I don't make more of road games than what they are. We're going on the road. They enjoy being with one another, maybe not sleeping in their own bed, but um, it's no excuse on why we shouldn't play our best football. As long as there's more than one bus. One bus? <laughs> Where do we stay at the Chateau? 
Yes. Yeah. You we're not staying at the chateau. We're not staying at the chateau. We're yeah. staying downtown Youngstown. Yep. Uh, about three blocks from the stadium. It's a nice hotel, though. It's a very nice yeah. hotel. Jimmy, good luck on Saturday. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. He's the head coach, Jimmy Rogers. I'm Tyler Merriam. Thanks to him. Thanks to Hunter Dustman. Thanks to Pat Cashmore and to you for listening. 11 a.m. to kick. Our coverage starts at 9 on Saturday from Stambaugh Stadium in Youngstown. For the coach, I'm Tyler Merriam. We'll see you next time from Covey's Sports Bar and Grill and the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show. This is the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield.